really excited I get a chance to teach you this message, this message that's called The Long and the Short of It. And I wanted to start with a little bit of worthless trivia, if I could. Everyone loves worthless trivia, right? We all like it, even though, you know, it really does nothing. But it's interesting. So it's nonetheless, I'd like to tell you that, obviously, the longest chapter in the Bible is Psalm 119, which is what I'm going to talk to you about today. The shortest chapter in the Bible is 117 in the Bible. And right in the middle of it, lies 118, which they say is the very center of the Bible. Now, not all Bibles. Obviously, there are Catholic Bibles, and there's some different ones put in there. But the main Bibles that you would read today, if you open it up, Psalm 118 is going to be in the middle of the Bible. More specifically, the very central verse in the Bible says in Psalm 118.8, it says, It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man which is basically everything that God has to say to us, right? It's basically everything that we can hang our hat on as far as our faith. Pretty good verse, isn't it? It's a pretty good verse. You think if God was probably sitting there thinking to himself, you know, it's inspired by him, the whole word of God. He's probably thinking, you know, someone's going to open this Bible halfway and they're going to think, what is in here? And he's like, it has to be good, right? It has to be good. You know, it couldn't possibly be like, Proverbs 126, it says, I in turn will laugh when disaster strikes you, and I will mock you when calamity hits. So we can see that God's pretty good. He even knew that we would try to do those things. We would try to look in the middle of the Bible. We would try to find the central verse, and it would speak to us. So, you know, God was pretty good that he did that. Another thing, of course, is the fact that there are 594 chapters before Psalm 118, and there's 594 chapters after Psalm 118. Now, if you read five, you add 594 and 594, you come up with, anybody out there really, really quick? 1188. Think about it. Psalm 118.8. There we go. Psalm 118.8. I just read it to you. Better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. So God had his way. You know, there's order in the Bible. There's actually a lot of order in the Bible. A lot of people don't understand. So... Like I said, all that is just interesting, but really worthless. You know, it's, it's something that you can go share with others. You know, you can say, I know what the longest chapter of the Bible is, and I know what the shortest is. You know, I know what the center verse is, but all that stuff is really kind of just worthless trivia. It really kind of flies in the face of exactly what my message is all about, which is the long and the short of it, which really comes down to the point of, like, this is what you really need to know. This is the crux of what you need to understand. And that's really what I want to talk to you today about what Psalm 19, 119 is actually has to say. It has a lot of great things. And if you've never read it, it's probably because it's the longest psalm. It's probably because there are 176 verses. And you start to read it and you're like, wow, this is a long, long verse. As a matter of fact, I heard somebody say today that was the one that they skipped because they would read a psalm every day before they go into work. And they're like, whoa, this is going to have to be broke up some. So I'd have to definitely take some time to read this one. So the book of Psalms, though, if you start to read them, you realize that there's a lot there. They were really used in Jesus' day to really read and, and, and pray over and think about and also sing. It was one of those things that people would actually sing. And they would do that, that they would encourage themselves for their day that they would start and the days that they would go through. So Psalm 119 actually models for us um, something that I believe is very, very important to the life of a believer. And I think a lot of people give it, you know, don't really take it that serious. But I will tell you what Psalm 119 really does is it's all about God's word. 
That's what it's all about. It's the idea that God's word is powerful, that it's necessary for the, us as a life of a Christian, that it's important for us to read and understand what God would command us and want us to do, the things that he would not want us to do, the things that we would be encouraged about, those examples of people who have done great things for God, those people who have completely failed God. And that's what the whole entire book is about, for us to see that there's examples for us to follow and maybe not follow. Well, great men of God loved the Psalms, and Psalm 119 specifically. They just loved it. They loved to read it. They loved to recite it. They actually would memorize the 176 verses, which when you start reading it, I hopefully you will, you'll realize that this would be very difficult to memorize. But these great men of God would memorize them. Um, Charles Spurgeon, who was known as the Prince of Preachers, and William Wilberforce, who was the leader of the movement to stop slavery, they loved this psalm and would write these great works about it all the time. And Martin Luther, who was the leader of the Reformation, he actually said and has quoted that he prized the psalm, 119, so highly that he would not take the whole world in exchange for even one leaf of it. So we can see that a lot of people really loved what Psalm 119 has to say. Another little interesting but worthless again story that I can tell you, but it's kind of fun to listen to, is about this psalm, is the fact that there was a guy named George Wishart who was a bishop of Edinburgh in the 17th century. He was condemned to death, and when he went up on the scaffolding to be executed, there was a custom that you could read a psalm. You could have read a psalm or you could read a psalm before you were executed. And he was smart enough to understand that he should ask for Psalm 119 because it had 176 verses. And what happened is he was two-thirds the way through the psalm and his pardon came and his life was spared. So pretty smart man. He chose not to read what I'm going to talk to you about next week, which is Psalm 117 that is extremely short because he would have been hanging there dead already. So the author of the psalm, he loved this word. That's there. He loved it. He understood that it was something that was so important for us to understand about following God. And I think what he really wanted us to understand when we read it, because the Bible is inspired of God and is there for us to understand, is that we would understand the importance of reading God's word and looking into it as a follower of God, because that's how we're going to be helped. Barna Research says that 92% of most Americans' home, of, of homes in America have at least one Bible in it. Yet we know, for the most part, most people don't pick up a Bible at all. Even people who have professed Christianity, even people who say that they've followed God for years and years and years, a lot of them would say they've never even read the Bible one time. They've never read it. They don't spend time in it on a daily, daily uh, plan of reading it. They don't do any of that stuff. You know, I think that's where a lot of us are failing is because we don't read God's word. I think that is inspired of God. I think that a lot of people mock what God's word says. I think there's a lot of people who would say that it's not relevant, that it's not necessary. But I can tell you that I do believe it's necessary. And I believe, you know, when the Israelites left slavery in Egypt and they were taken off into the, to go to the promised land, there was a situation where there would be manna that would fall from heaven. And God told them, they said, take just enough for today. Just take just enough. If you try to take enough for tomorrow, it'll go bad. But you have to take enough for today. And I really believe it's almost a symbol of really what God's word is for us in the life of a Christian, is the fact that we would read, that it would be the bread of life, that we would actually read God's word daily 
the little bit every day that we need and really grow from it, challenge ourselves through it. Well, the Psalm 119, no one really knows exactly who wrote it. A lot of people think that King David wrote all the Psalms, and, and really it's not really proven anywhere that King David was the one. Could have been, but a lot of people think it was Ezra, maybe Jeremiah that actually wrote it. But regardless, the person who wrote it, it was somebody that loved God, loved God's word, and really struggled and desired so much to follow exactly what it had to say. At the time, I think when it was written, there would have, he probably would have not even had even a complete Old Testament. Like, and like what we do, we have the, the complete Bible, the Old and the New. He probably didn't even have a complete Old Testament. But what he did was he remembered and he recited those first five books of what he read, which is the Torah, which in Hebrew means the instruction, the law. And he would actually go back and he would remind himself and recite these things that are in you know, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, uh, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. He would read those things in his mind, the things that he read or heard. He would go back and he would recite them and tell himself, that's what we need to do. This is a psalm that glorifies God, glorifies his word, and it loves and points out that scripture is so important. And I think that we'll come up here and we're going to tell you a message and we're going to put up a scripture on the, on the side screens and hopefully you're going to look at it yourself and you're going to like pay attention. But what happens a lot of times is we read that, we listen, and then we walk out and we forget. See, what you're getting here on a Sunday or a Saturday night is important, but what you really need to do is you really need to read God's word for yourself. You need to like start to really discipline yourself and, and really pull out God's word. And even when it doesn't seem like it's always making sense to you, trust that God has something for it in there for you. But psalm is an, an, an interesting psalm because not only is it the longest psalm, but it's also an acrostic. It means that there are 22 Hebrew letters in the alphabet. And what that is is every single part that starts, um, there's eight lines in each first letter of the, or the letter of the alphabet and it would start each line the sentence would start with that letter and so these people would recite and it's thought that actually king david probably taught his son solomon who which is the wisest man who ever lived and will ever live that that's how he taught him the alphabet so there's so much more about god's word that a lot of times we don't understand we don't understand the importance we don't understand the the relevance to our life and we don't understand how important it is because what it truly is, is a manual. It's a manual. It's not a book of old men. It's not a book of people who are brilliantly successful in following after God. What it is is a manual on how we need to live our life. And I think a lot of people don't understand that. It's the point that I really want you to leave with today. The idea, if I could leave knowing that I even encourage one person to start picking up the Bible and reading it, daily it will make all the difference now i'll tell you a little story i struggled last night with this message i've been having a horrible horrible cold i thought not coughing through my message the whole entire time about two-thirds through you never feel like you have to cough and you don't want to cough so your lungs feel like they're going to explode that's pretty much what happened last night and i walked away and of course coughed even though i didn't want to and really one way i think man i bombed man and i can tell you because i read god's word and i know god's word that God says, I work best in your weakness. My power is great in your weakness. And I can tell you it's true because my message was weak 
And I had someone encourage me today this morning and saying, just want you to know I loved your message and I'm reading my Bible right now. So it's like, God is good. God is good. Even through that mess that I had last night, he definitely encouraged me through today. But this is what's important about reading God's word because those encouragements are there. There's so many things that we can ask God for, things that we wouldn't even know that we could ask God for except for the fact of reading his word that he tells us. Things like favor. You know, we can be a follower of God and we can say, God, give me favor before I go into a situation. God says we can boldly ask him for that and he will give it to us. That we can struggle and feel like we don't have knowledge about something and God's word says we can ask for more wisdom. God, give me wisdom. I need more wisdom to get through my life and he'll give it to us. See, God is so good, but see, the thing is you don't know these things unless you sit in the church and somebody says them to you or someone has told you before. But what you're doing is you're missing out on so many key things that would help you to grow in your faith and that would make you be the successful Christian follower that you need to be. So this is a man that understood that's how you have a successful life. That's how you follow God. You meditate on his word, you think about his word, and you, you really put it to practice. You know, the Bible encourages us throughout every generation that we need to seek it that we need to stay close. We need to be focused on it. In Psalm 119, 90 and 91, it says, Your faithfulness continues through all generations. You establish the earth, and it endures. Your laws endure to this day, for all things serve you. Like I said, a lot of times people don't take the Bible very serious. They don't really understand that it, it doesn't go out of date, that it's never not relevant. I wanted to read for you something I thought was really timely. Today I got up and I was watching the news and it was really interesting to me that I decided, we decided, when we set these message series up, we usually start at the very end of the year or the beginning of this year, we set up this, the message that we decided we were going to teach throughout the year. And this is the one that we decided I was going to teach on today, Psalm 119. And I thought it was really interesting because I, it's all about telling you how the Bible is important, the Bible is relevant. And yet today when I got up and watched the news on there, they were talking, there was a, an article that was just written on April 19th that was from GQ magazine that actually has the, the 22 books that you should not read before you die because they're not relevant. And it actually says, it's quoted, it says, the Holy Bible is rated very highly by all the people who supposedly live by it, but who in actuality have not read it. Those who have read it know there are some good parts, but overall it is certainly not the finest thing that man has ever produced. It is repetitive, self-contradictory, sententious, foolish, and even at times ill-intentioned. How timely is God that he's trying to teach, have me teach you about how relevant and how important God's word is when you have these things that are showing up in society today, something that just was written two days ago for everyone to see. See, the world will tell us that it's not relevant. The world will tell us that it's an out-of-date book, that it makes no sense anymore, that it, you know, it's not important for you to read. But it is important. The Bible never changes because God never changes. The way he was yesterday, he is today, and he'll be tomorrow. You can be assured that God will never change. He's not going to change his rules. He's not going to change his mind. He's going to follow what he said he's going to follow. And it is of paramount importance to you in your life. You know, a lot of times what happens when we start to read the Bible is we look at it as a discipline. And I can tell you a lot of times it will be. It will be a discipline. When you're going to get up your Bible and you're going to say, I don't feel like reading today. 
And I can tell you, every single person who's ever read the Bible, even the most faithful person, has had that same thought. I don't want to read the Bible today. But what you do instead is you read the Bible that day. There's a lot of times you get up and you don't look at your spouse and you think, I really don't want to be that kind today. But we know we have to be kind. There's times where we don't want to take care of a kid. We're like, we're just tired. Can't someone take care of me? But we know we have to take care of the kids. It's that important for you to understand that a lot of times what starts out as a discipline will truly become a delight when you start to see that God shows you things and you grow in your faith and you're so challenged. A lot of times you think nothing is happening. You think there's nothing changing. Nothing's happening in my life. And then after a while you start to think that there's things that you start to notice. You start to think that, you know, maybe there is something to it because you realize that God's word went down deep in your heart and you're able to recite something back. We'll be up here. We're going to tell you a a scripture and you're going to know how it ends. And you're going to say, how did I even know that? It's because God's word is powerful. It's amazing. It does great things to our mind and to our heart. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. See, a lot of times we could have something that we think about something. And God is so good because he doesn't beat us over the head and tell us we're wrong. What he does is he lets read us read his word. And then over time you start to think, maybe I might be wrong on that. Maybe I might have wrong thinking about that. God says this. So, you know, you start to think. And then there's certain things that he just really reveals to us by his word. There's a saying that says we start out reading the Bible, but the Bible reads us. And I think that's totally, totally applicable. I think it convicts us and it challenges us and it encourages us. I mean, so much. I think that we can look at the Bible as something that is stable, something that's secure, that's not going to change. When the world gets crazy and out of control like it is now, you can go back and you can read God's word and you can say, yeah, I can trust in him. He's my anchor. No matter how out of control it gets, he's going to be there for me. He promises he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. The fact that we can screw up, we can make mistakes, and then we can go back and we can read his word and him say, I love you and I forgive you. Time and time and time again. 77 times 7, I'll forgive you over and over again. The Bible tells us how we can be blessed and not cursed. Super important for you to know in your life, right? Don't you want to be blessed and not cursed? You can learn how to help not only yourself, but how to help others. You can learn how to be a successful spouse. I can tell you. Majorly convicted when I read the scripture where it says, better for a husband to live on the roof of a house than to listen to a nagging wife. <laughs> totally hit me right where it hurts. I'm like, dang, quit nagging. It also teaches us how to be good, successful parents, how to raise kids in the way that God would want us to raise kids, and, and then to raise your children's children's children to follow after God. It tells you not how to not to live in the poorhouse. It tells us how we need to work hard, that we need to seek God, that we need to give to him and he gives back. And no matter how much we give to God, that we can't possibly outgive him because he loves us so much. He's like a good father that wants to give back to us all the time. 
And most important of all, it's going to show you that when you are faithfully following God, that you're going to someday be able to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant from him. Those are those words that are so encouraging. And we think, is this making a difference? Is it working? Am, am I doing what God would want me to do? And to know that that someday will wait for us is important. I think what the writer of the psalm wanted us to understand is that it is truly a relationship that you have with God's word. It's like any relationship that you have. You have to spend time in your relationship to be successful, doesn't it? You can't never spend time with any person and think you're going to be close. Jesus is described as the word of God. The word of God. See, I don't look at the Bible as a book. And I think that's what people in the GQ magazine and those people don't understand, that it's not a book. It's active. It's living. It's real. It's important. I was made fun of for years because I can tell you I never said anything on top of my Bible. Whatever Bible I'm reading, if I'm carrying a stack of things, nothing. Even if it's the wrong size. You know how you stack books from the largest to the shortest? Doesn't matter. I never said any book on this. I love God's word. I adore God's word. I think it's one of the most important things we could possibly ever do in the life of a follower of God is to read it and apply it to our lives. Psalm 119, 102, 1 through 5 says, I have not departed from your laws, for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts, therefore I hate every wrong path. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. See, God's word says it's going to really illuminate where you're walking in life. You're going to know which steps to take and what steps not to take. You're going to know, I can't go down this road because this is dangerous for me, but I need to take this road. See, God wants us to live in these boundaries. And, you know, a lot of people look at boundaries as like a prison, but I can tell you what it is actually is it's freedom because you understand the right way in which to live and you can just live in that boundary the correct way and you are more free. It's not like it's a cage it's actually more freedom that God gives you through it. Psalm 119.1 says, Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. See, the laws that God set for us are laws that we need to follow. See, we like to go astray, right? Over and over again, it seems like people pull away from God and want to do things their own way. I always kind of like it like this. I think that we start out following God, and I think a lot of times God may have something in store that he wants us to understand. I think if we don't understand it, I think we go around the bend a lot of times until we get it. And I think a lot of times what happens is, you know, we start to walk up this, this road to follow after God. And because we get lost in the world, we falter, we fall back. We start to apply God's word. We can actually catch up. We can catch up to God and keep him in sight again and again. But I think what we should take notice in this psalm is that this is a man who wanted to submit to God. And I think this is where a lot of people really struggle. I think our world, mankind, since the beginning of time, has always had such a hard time with really submitting to anything. We love to do things our own way, to blaze our own trails. No one tells me anything. And I think this is a man <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> who wanted to submit to God and who actually allowed God to correct and lead him. Yet he knew it wasn't always going to be easy. 
He knew it wasn't going to be easy to follow after God. And that's what we need to understand. It's not going to be a cakewalk, guys. It's going to be tough. And I think there's so many people give up. They think it's going to be easy. Like, you know, you're going to start following after God and everything's just going to fall into place. It's not like that. You're going to struggle from time to time. And this psalmist did the same thing. In Psalm 119.5, it says, Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. He knew he would sometimes struggle. He knew that he would have a hard time following what God would tell him to follow. The very last verse of this psalm, I have strayed like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I have not forgotten your commands. He understood that maybe he was starting to veer off the path, but he didn't forget the commands. He knew it was right, but he knew he was like at risk of going the wrong way. I think more importantly is the psalmist knew that it was all about the submission to the laws, the precepts, the statutes, the commandments that God's given us. God gave us these commandments from the Old Testament. Jesus come, and he says he didn't have come to abolish law, but to fulfill them. But also he says that he really just decided to amp it up, to give us a better way. I think a lot of people like to take the Ten Commandments and like kind of throw them aside and say, well, that's not so important anymore. Where I think God says they're still important, and I'm going to actually amp it up more that there's even a higher expectation sometimes of you. And I think that's where so many people fail. I think so many people don't like to be told anything. I mean, I've run across it. Any pastor that's ever led any flock at all has run across it. There's people that will come up and say, please, tell me when I, if you ever notice anything that I'm doing that's pulling me away from God, (coughs) let me know. And I can tell you it all sounds good until you tell them. And then it doesn't go over so well. Then a lot of times people are like, well, wait, but you don't understand my situation. It's like, listen, I understand your situation is your situation, but I also understand that this is truth, and this is what's real. So if you want to follow God, then you've got to lay some things aside, and you've got to do things differently. But a lot of people don't really want to listen and be corrected and submit. Submission is key, guys. What happens when we say the prayer of salvation? We ask God to become the king or lord of our life, don't we? So what does that mean? Do you think in a kingdom you get to do things your own way or do you have to follow the king? You follow the king. And that's exactly what submitting yourself to God is all about. That sometimes you're going to be wrong and you're going to have to admit you are wrong and God is right. And it's really just all about understanding that we need to learn from the mistakes that we made, the things that we think sometimes, like I said, God wants us to be blameless, but it's, blameless does not mean sinless. He understands that we're imperfect people, that we're going to struggle from time to time, that we're going to make mistakes. Sinless is not the, the key. It's blameless. And what blameless means is that you no longer take the blame because Jesus accepted your blame. You're only blameless because Jesus covered you with his covering. And then now God can look upon you and say that you're blameless in the eyes of him. It's only by accepting God's perfection that covers our imperfections. So if you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, if you're really struggling, understand that that's what's necessary to ask for forgiveness of sin, to ask God to become Lord of your life and start to submit and follow after him. That's what makes the difference. 
The psalmist, man, he understood that. You read this psalm, and over and over and over again, you see that he constantly repeats Scripture and how Scripture is so important. We need to go back to Scripture. We need to understand what the verses and what the, the chapters are saying. He understood that he was going to get weak, that he's going to want to give up. In verse 25, it says he's laid low in the dust. In verse 28, he says his soul is weary with sorrow. We all know there's going to be heartbreak in this world. We're going to have people that get, you know, lost and, and fall away from us, leave us. There's people that are going to, to pass before us. There's going to be sorrow. Yet each and every time the psalmist went through something, he cried out to God. For God to remind him of all of his promises. And then what he would do is he would admit that he needed God more. And he needed God's words more. And he needed to study more. Psalm 119, 34 through 37 says, Give me understanding so that I may keep your laws and obey it with all my heart. Direct me in the path of your commands, for there I find delight. Turn my heart toward your statutes and not toward selfish gain. Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. Your word. God's word. You know we tell you all the time, we will give you free Bibles anytime you want them. If you're bad vision like me, you can't see anything anymore, we have giant print Bibles for you that are free. We want you to have God's word. This is what will make all the difference to whether or not you will be a successful follower of God and you will hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. I don't believe that any Christian worth any salt that I've ever met is anything without this. I truly believe that with all my heart. I can tell you that's the only reason why I think that my husband and I are still married. <laughs> why my kids follow after God because there was things that I remember doing. I remember going on a, a drive one time, and, and we were going on a vacation and reading. And I remember reading to Cameron, Cameron how a young man can keep his way pure. I remember reading that to him. These are those things, guys, that that's how, tells us how to make it, how to be successful. Our, our word of God should be so real and so true in our mind that we could recite it back, that we could put those boundaries around our kids and our marriages. That's what's going to make all the difference. So Psalm 119 is this alphabetical story of a man who loves God, loves his laws, and desires to follow those ways. And I think it's a chapter over and over again that really shows how much God loves us and that his plan is so much better than what we would ever try to do on our own. I think if we ever feel we can try to ignore it or just kind of lay it aside, then what we're doing is we're really choosing another way than what God's way is. I think it's so necessary. And I understand there's going to be dry seasons. There's going to be times in your life where you really pick it up and you're going to be so encouraged. And there's going to be times that you're going to be like, I don't think so. I don't get anything from it. There's places to start out reading if you've never read before. Start out reading in John. Move forward. Go that way. A lot of people accidentally pick up the Bible and they start reading in Genesis and Exodus. And then they get to Leviticus and they get to Deuteronomy Numbers and they're like, oh my gosh. Really? This is supposed to do something for me? Well, there was a, a great pastor years ago by the name of Adrian Rogers that I still watch. And if you ever want to look on TV, you can search it on DVR. It's Love Worth Finding. His messages still play 
all the time on the TV. And what his quote was that the new is in the old concealed, but the old is in the new revealed. And I thought that is a total point that we need to understand. God's word in the Old Testament has a lot of powerful things that really point us to Jesus Christ. And there's so much truth there. We can't ignore it. We have to follow it. We have to daily pick it up and read it. And we have to think upon it and meditate on it. And when we come in a situation, you'll be surprised that God will bring a scripture to your mind. He's going to bring something that you read before that you'll think that was never in your heart, was never here. You're like, I don't remember any of that, but I even read it. But because God is so good and because his word is powerful and truth, you'll recall it. And you'll actually be amazed with yourself. You're like, wow, that's really there. If you can't read it and you struggle, there's options for you out there. You know, we could pull out our, bi- our, our phone and we can look in the app store and there's a, a Bible app that's called the version. All you have to do is, is go there and it can actually read it to you. You can it'll read, recite the whole entire scripture reference for you. So there's really nothing that we can say that really like, you know, well, you know, I don't like to read. You can still read. You can do something. I say even with teenagers, start reading a sentence or two. Something. Something daily. Just something. But it's so important that we read God's word because the stronger that we, the more time that we read the Bible, the stronger our faith is going to become. I started out with this worthless trivia, and it's awesome to just know those things. But I can tell you there's so many people that walk around as followers of God, Christians, and they would know a lot about the Bible. They would know a lot about the man who wrote the Bible, but they don't know the Bible. All of that is worthless and trash if you don't know what God's word has to say. You sound brilliant. You sound like you've really got it all together, but I can tell you your life is probably falling apart. It's said that if a, Bible, a person has a Bible that's falling apart, it's probably a person that has their life put together. Now, this is a Bible I picked up. I can tell you I have numerous Bibles, some that have gone through a lot of, you know, a lot of being, fell off cars. I mean, everything is just kind of ripped apart. But some of those Bibles that I started reading at the very beginning, they will always have anything to, meaning to me. I can't part with a Bible. When I get done reading the Bible, it goes up on my shelf, and then I get another one. Different translations. But I can tell you, it's so important for you. I can't stress it enough. And I wish I could go down there, and I wish I could shake people and say, read your Bible. Read your Bible, guys. Read your Bible, because it's what's going to make all the difference. It's what's going to make the decision whether or not you continue on in the path of following after God or if you're going to give up. The Bible is a manual on how to put your life together. The Bible is a roadmap on how to get where you need to go. It's a rule book book so that you don't forfeit the game. And it's also a love letter. It's a love letter from God telling you how much you mean to him. And if you don't read it, you're missing out on all those things. Read your Bibles. Read your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, if you lost a Bible, if you took a Bible and you lost it, go get another one. We'll give you them. We love to spend our money on Bibles. We love it. It's never something we'll ever go cheap on. We'll always give you a Bible. I want to pray for you. Lord, 
We are so thankful that you are so good and you're so patient, even though you've given us such a great prize that so many of us don't pick it up. Lord, I just pray that you would just put a desire in our heart, that there would be something in our mind that would just be so drawn to your word. Lord, help us to retain it when we read it. Help us to understand that this is the light to our path. I pray, Jesus, that you would help us not to walk in darkness any longer, but, Lord, that our paths would be illuminated by you and the laws and the precepts and the statutes and the commands that you put forward, Lord, that we would submit, that we would challenge ourselves to be great followers of you so that someday we can hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Lord, I pray for those who've never, ever called out to you and asked for salvation. I pray that they would really just whisper those words in their mind, Lord, we know we don't have to publicly say it. We know that you can hear our thoughts. I just pray that right now, if there's anybody who's never taken that step, that they could just call out to you and say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Remove them from me. Cover me with you, Jesus. And I make you Lord of my life. And we know, God, that you are a good God and that you'll rush in and you'll do that. Lord, I pray for each person that's here that's not really taken that time to read the Bible, Lord, that you would just really help them, Lord, to to seek you more and more on their daily path, Lord. We're thankful for what you're going to do in our lives, Lord, how we're going to continue to follow you. We thank you for the love that you show us, and we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.